Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Michelle. It's good to be with you today, as always. It is. And we're going to be talking about advice, advice that we've received on our journey that's really helped crack open some kind of new level for us in our creative path. So I'd love to hear some of the wisdoms that you've received that have been absolute gems for you. I think the most important one that I received, and this is when I was going to Dick Grove School of Music, which is was a hands-on how to do music in LA and make money at it, kind of a school. It was intense. We went for 10 weeks at a time and then we had two weeks off. And in those 10 weeks, you were just completely saturated in learning what it was that you were gonna learn. And I remember Jack Smalley, my favorite teacher of all time said to me, create with what you have now. In other words, don't wait till you feel like you have all your ducks in a row, but use what you have now. And that started to give me permission to just start little, do small things, do something every day towards my music. And, and I started to see it too as a craft. Craftswoman is someone that grows over time. So I didn't have to write a hit in the first six months of me learning how to write songs. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so it's really simple, you know, just use what you have now and create with what you have. So all I had was a stand-up, you know, piano and myself. And that was what I did. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I think one of the big changes for me came when I realized about the idea of quantity. So I'm thinking specifically now about my painting. And when I came into my painting, I found abstract artists I really enjoy. And I think I've mentioned her, Jane Davies, on a previous podcast. And she just said, make lots. And that was one of the gems that just dropped. And it relieved me of having to create the masterpiece because you just go through this process of making many pieces. And what I came to recognize was it was okay. Not everything was going to be a masterpiece. And some of it was going to be pretty good and some of it was going to be not so good, but that that was perfect in its own right. And the other bit that of wisdom that was shared with me was actually around a bit of what you were saying about start with what you've got. And that was around time. And I used to think I had to clear a whole half day or a whole day that didn't have any other, you know, responsibilities in it. So I could just have this spaciousness of time. But what I discovered was, hey, I've got 30 minutes and I just break out something, you know, whether I'm grabbing some metal off the bench in my jewelry studio or I'm just grabbing my sketchbook and some colored inks. And it's just grabbing little bits of time that I don't need to have, you know, dedicated time. Because if I do think that that's a requirement, it actually stops me from even beginning. And rather than just grabbing little bits, you know, running with the time that I've got, work with that as opposed to the sort of requirement of something large and expansive because it's not needed. Absolutely. I love that because there's so many limitations that we could put on ourselves. 
um, especially if you're feeling a little resistance or we're feeling a little insecure. I was thinking that if I wanted to give my young artists some advice from where I am now, I think what I would say is believe in yourself. Of course, I've said that before, often yeah. believe in yourself and prove to yourself that you are an artist. I mean, believe that you are an artist. I think it took me forever to believe that I really was an artist, you know, that that was really something that other people labeled themselves at. But to really prove to myself that I wasn't this was really important and to be open to correction. Um, I think it's really easy to get um, insulated and isolated. And I have a very dear friend that just does his art within his small world and no one ever gets to see it. And I think that's really sad but he doesn't really want any correction. He doesn't want any feedback. You know, who are we to say to him that is fulfillment? He doesn't need to share it with others. Yeah. But to me, I think to be open to correction and suggestion really helps you grow. Yeah, absolutely. Those other eyes, and I think that leads me to another piece of advice that I got just recently, and it's not new advice, but it was the timing of it dropping for me, which was the powerful moment. I was getting ready for the exhibition at the beginning of this year in February. And I had my buddy, Helen, who was one of the other exhibitors in the exhibition. And she and I went and saw an art mentor of mine, Virginia, who I adore. And her and colleague of hers team together to give us a review of the work that I was going to put into the show because it was a big body mm. of work. It was 35 pieces, biggest number of works I've ever put together in an exhibition. And I had probably around 50 pieces. So originally I was thinking I was putting in 50 and making some more, interestingly enough. And they said, less is more. And what helped me with that was understanding that I need to be the artist, but if I do want to share, I also need to be the curator or I need to get some external advice and input and guidance from someone else who can see it better than I can. But I almost now, as we're getting ready for Helen and I doing another show in August, I can almost feel myself changing channels. This is me, the maker, and then here's me, the curator. What is it going to look like? How does it go together? And I realize they are two very separate uh, sensibilities almost. Let's explore this a little bit. Would you explain what a curator is from your point of view? Because it's still, yeah. it's not real familiar term for me. Okay. So a curator, you know, in the classic sense, in terms of an art museum is someone who decides what goes where, what gets seen in what places and what spaces beside what other artwork. So if you could imagine you have 150 songs and you want to put together, you want to curate an album for mothers to celebrate motherhood and womanhood, you would go in and have a look at each of your songs and pick out the ones that really have a good strong theme and that hang together really well. So that's kind of what we're doing in the visual art world. What actually physically hangs well with each other what speaks mm -hmm. to it? What is the same sort of visual language that makes a connectivity for someone who's coming in that can really feel that this is a single body of work, that this is a single visual statement by the artist? So that's, that's the job of a curator is 
to have the eyes of the visitor in their mind about what's going to look best, what's going to have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were doing back in February and really made such a difference. And it also is relevant in the physical artwork as well. What can you take away? And this is a great thing, you know, that I I certainly bumped up against when I was in art college where they talk about, you know, what can you remove? What can you take away and still have a powerful work? And that idea of simplicity being the greatest test of our artistry, that you can have Mm. something so simple that nothing is missing and nothing is superfluous. It's very much like a producer in music very similar because a producer in music usually is taking away <laughs> what isn't required what what is is covering up the song and really allowing the song to shine and that place of being an artist i happen to be more of an artist and my husband is the producer so there are some budding of heads of i'm sure within the artist and the curator as well you know the songwriter and the producer but I really want this to stay, you know, and when is that and really important to stay? And when is it important to, to let it go? Because it's not that important. Another thing that's really important for me is relatability and doability as far as I love writing songs that people can sing easily. Yeah. You know, I want them to be that simple. They're almost like childlike a lot of the times because I want it to be simple enough for it, the average person to be able to sing along. And that's important to me. Mm -hmm. And if it gets too fancied up with production, sometimes it works and sometimes it's just disaster. (laughs) It doesn't work. So a lot of it is just taking away. Let's see what, let's see how much we can do the bare bones of this, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to have somebody that you can bounce off of. Absolutely. I so agree because they're, idea of being able to have another perspective on artwork whether it's an actual single piece or whether it's a combination possibly heading towards an exhibition i feel like i'm too close to it and i really Mm -hmm. got that very clearly the beginning of the year i realized i was way too close i was actually invested in the chronology of the artwork rather than how it looked together as a body of art. So that was really a bit interesting. The other thing that comes to mind when you talk about being open to suggestion and feedback, I think one of the most important bits of wisdom that I bring to my artwork is my consciousness around my own thinking and what I'm doing, the kind of monkey mind stuff. And right before you and I got on this podcast, I was sort of bemoaning about the interwebs of life and how, you know, all this connectivity and technology that, you know, we're kind of required to embrace and learn and be proficient at. If I let that thought that, oh, this isn't working and, oh, that should have worked and it should have been connected, but it's not and something's happened and... If I let that become a burden and I stay in that energy of this isn't working and I can't do this and, you know, this isn't meant to be, that would really have a huge impact on my art. So being conscious of the way that I'm thinking and really mindful about my energy and my approach and what emotions I'm bringing, that's been absolutely game-changing, not just in my art but in my life. But it absolutely has Mm. a central place 
in the way that I am in my creativity. What about you? I know this is an area that we share. Absolutely. To me, <laughs> it's important to know when when to dive in and when to walk away. I mean, because yeah. to me, uh, one of the most important things is to remember is to protect the juice of your creativity. So I can tell if I've had a day that's my head has gotten into the technology of life, especially the web and the inner workings of, you know, being out there and being visible, because that seems to be where we are mostly visible these days. Yeah. I need to walk away if I, I can feel it. I can feel the juice of creativity starting to just like dissipate and I need to protect that creativity. So to me, it's important to walk away when I need to and to ask for help. Somebody else that might be their genius. You know, that has always been a great question to ask. You know, what's my genius? Mm. I'm asking that today because it continues to grow and, and morph. But I want to do my genius. I have the ability to do a lot of different things. I can be a secretary. Yeah. I can be, you know, I can be somebody, I can support somebody else in on the back end of things up to a certain point, but it's definitely not my genius. And I would rather not spend my time doing that stuff, especially if it gets too difficult for me. So I do have somebody in my life. That's her genius. She's a nerd when it comes to, you know, all things internet. And I'm so grateful for her. Mm. Thank you, Jessica. Yay, yay. <laughs> because yeah, because I don't have to figure it all out because I literally used to try to spend a day, two days, three days trying to figure something out that was way beyond my ability. And that was part of my lack thinking as well. I think because I really didn't think I was going to be supported as an artist. I needed to do everything. This has been one of our, our journeys with my husband and myself because we're both musicians. Yeah. Oh, we'll just do it ourselves. <laughs> and that to me is not the answer. It's not the answer. I love the idea of being in a learning space. And sometimes I had an experience of this just the other weekend. Sometimes I know that the not knowing and the what if questions are really mine to lean into, but it's usually within my craft. Sometimes it's in the sort of ancillary business areas because it can be efficient and effective to just learn it and get it done. But I had a, a fun day the other day where I had a whole series of, I was playing in my enameling studio and this can happen. I had a shape that was very teardrop-like with an open cutout area, which can be a bit challenging when you're enameling because it means there's lots of edge and edges can sometimes be where the mischief happens, where you don't want things to happen. <laughs> they just spontaneously happen. And I, <laughs> I had, I adore this shape and it is really beautiful, but it was kicking my butt. It was coming out and within, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, it was cracking and I was problem solving. You know, enameling is interesting because basically you're making a glass sandwich with the meat in the middle or the lettuce leaf in our case is the metal and the bread on either side is the glass. So it's kind of tricky because metal and glass like to expand and contract at different rates. So you have to be mindful of all that coefficient of expansion stuff. So I was attending to that and I was attending to the quality of the metal. And I'd put these things aside because they really had kicked my butt and I hadn't figured out what I was doing wrong. 
And the other day I went and grabbed them and I took a totally different approach with them. I just grabbed them, I fired up a torch and I just was dipping the hot metal into containers of enamel and just sealing them, you know, fusing them right there in the moment. So it was very immediate. So I could really see if it was going to work or not. And I really appreciated the fact that I was keen to try even though I wasn't sure, even though it hadn't been working, I didn't stop at the, I can't do this. And, you know, I I think that's probably pretty common for people who are artists that they're willing to lean in. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that was a really good muscle to flex. And so I'm mindful, another bit of my, I guess, learning and advice that I got, this did come from art school, is about being multi-talented. Let me try that. There's another word for it. It's just being proficient at a number of different areas. There's a difference. Isn't there a difference when you feel that you are being challenged to deepen into your craft and something comes up like you were just sharing with us about the enamel and you have the juice and it it actually creates more of the creative juice because you're figuring out a problem. I think that's such a different Uh, vibration than trying to figure out a problem where it's not yours to do. Let me just say that it's not your, your genius. Well, I guess we'll go back to that phrase again. You know, it's not the, the juice of what you, I mean, if I had to figure out how to work the back end of my, my website, I would wilt, but trying to figure out, you know, how does this chord progression work and how can I get it to work so that it feels like you're all of a sudden being expanded into a new place of ecstasy that kind of problem i love yeah i love yeah. you know it it because it once again that juice of creativity is activated and it is it is there you can tell you can tell the difference you can really feel into that it does um, can't you it feels so mm-hmm. different you're right i do get joy and satisfaction when i get a sort of a side tech issue nailed that helps me in my creative world so there mm-hmm. is that, but yes, it it's short-lived. It's nothing like the patience I have when I'm exploring a creative issue. So the other thing that I understood early because I was given a piece of advice and I wanted to share this with you because I wonder if it's the same for you, it's about a dedicated space to create. Now, I know on the back end of it, you can take a pad and three pencils and go out into the paddock or, you know, you can be really minimalist. But having a space where I never felt like someone was coming in behind me and saying, can you tidy up that dining room because it's got paper and stuff all over it and we need it or whatever. So having a dedicated space, even if it's the edge of a table, the corner of a room, some kind of place that you know you can put your tools down and it's not going to bother others that you might live with or it's not going to get in the way of your normal life. Have you found that, you and Michael, with your music space and your recording and sound areas? Absolutely. You know, I when I go to play the piano and practice the piano, I need it to be empty. I need I don't want anyone listen to me. You know, I want it to be just open so that I can explore and and play silly stuff, you know, get it's just like it needs to be open. And then, of course, we have a studio. And, and uh, it's interesting now because we, we just moved <laughs> and 
we are getting used to the sounds in the neighborhood. So we have to just sometimes pause. We have a neighbor who loves the blower. He has one of those blowers for his yard. Oh, no. And it's, it's, it's like it must be a spiritual practice or something because he has to do, he has to do it every day. We're starting to feel his rhythm and when he has to do that. So, you know, we've, we just made a joke out of it and it's, it's fun, but I, I agree, but there's always something you can do with what you have. I'm going to go back to my very first piece yeah. of advice yeah. because I think that's part of proving to yourself that you are worthy of having what you need to be an artist, right? It's, it's that part of belief in yourself. You're worthy of having your own space. You deserve to have a space that's just yours to mess up yeah. and straighten up or whatever you feel, you know, works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's a dilemma a lot of painters and 2D artists have where it's, you know, do I get a studio? Do I get a studio external? I was really lucky when we found the farm, there was a two-sided part of the shed come carport and it used to be the old milking bales. So it only had a wall on two sides. And I spoke to my brother who's a builder and Ian and I got together and we built a wall and a half basically. And there used to be a big hole in one of the Besser block walls it was a hole because that's where the goats used to come and go to get milked. And so we filled that in and put a window and took care of that. So we sort of plugged all the holes and built the walls. So I had an enclosed space and that was felt so wonderful. And really, I, I felt like I'd grown up and slash gone to heaven. You know, mm. it was a sort of a combination. <laughs> And I adore it. And at the beginning of this year, I did a big clean out because that's the other thing. Once you've got a space and being the kind of artist that I am, I accrue, you know, I'm a collage artist at times. So I accrue, you know, materials and, <laughs> and I've also accrued craft techniques. So I got rid of all my felting and, you know, it's things like that, which I guess cleared some space. So having space, even if it's small, even if it's the half of a kitchen table or a corner bench somewhere where you can park mm -hmm. yourself and your stuff and you can just make and no one else it just that was a really critical bit of advice and I feel like there's something energetic about that there's something about saying this is for this purpose and it's really valuable and I really value it and so please everybody mm -hmm. that I live with or please love of my life respect it as well that was a stepping stone for me as well of really asking for what I needed I need alone time. I need time to write. And, you know, now I need time to do my meditations. And, and I remember when I first asked for it, I felt very self-conscious, like, am I allowed to ask for this? And now it sounds so silly to me because it's, it's who I am. I need this space, but it did take a little, you know, working through some of my own feelings of like, am I really allowed to do this? Yeah. It's one of those things again, of, did, am I, am I believing in myself? enough to give myself that space that I need to create. Mm. It's back to yeah. permission, isn't it? And we can trip ourselves mm -hmm. up. Beautiful. Well, there's some gems of advice that we've had in received from the universe or from respected people in our lives. Thank you very much for joining me in this conversation, Jennifer. It's been lovely. Delicious, delicious as always. Thank you been wonderful to be with you today and thank you everyone for listening and if you've enjoyed this please leave comments rate and review we'd love to hear back from you and we look forward to talking to you next time bye for now bye <laughs>